reports that the Obama administration is considering retaliating against the Chinese for hacking into Office of Personnel Management computers and pilfering the personal information of some 22 million individuals perplexes national security experts. After all, isn't that what nations do? Spy on each other? Isn't the OPM breach or the Chinese purportedly reading the private emails of top government officials the type of snooping all nations with a technical capability do? Isn't it just a modern-day form of espionage? The only real difference is the method of collection in this case. The method of collection is through hacking it. That's Vincent Helfton, the historian and curator at the International Spy Museum in Washington. If someone from China had physically broken into OPM and stolen a bunch of files, that is traditional intelligence collection. That's what we've been doing for hundreds of years. The difference is the means of collection, the technology. And that's one of the key components that everyone needs to understand is that tradecraft in collection has stayed consistent forever. It's just technology that's changing. It's allowing us to do different things. It's allowing us to, you know, hack another country from our couches. So it's technology that's changing, but the basic idea remains the same. The NSA is not earning their money unless they're trying to do the exact same thing to the Chinese and the Russians and everyone else. What makes so-called acceptable spying different in the Internet age? It's simpler and less risky than to break into a building. Also, the scale of information collected is unprecedented. That means more people, innocent people, get swept up in cyber spying. Here's Georgia Tech's law and ethics professor, Peter Swire. The Internet makes attacks more possible at a distance and at lower risk to the people doing intelligence. It's risky for a CIA agent to climb into a building in a foreign country. It's easier for a hacker to sit in his or her own office and uh, hack away until they find something valuable. We're seeing more kinds of intrusion because it's safer to do that in a cyber world than it is to do physical intrusion. And I think that the scale of breaches is so much bigger that many civilians and innocent bystanders can get hurt. So trying to get information about spies has always been part of an intelligence service. We've always had counterintelligence, but now uh, the breaches affect millions of people and that's new. One of the 22 million individuals whose personal information was likely pilfered by the Chinese is Jason Healy, who went through the security clearance process when he became the White House Director of Infrastructure Protection more than a decade ago. Today, Healy is Senior Research Scholar in Cyber Conflict Studies at Columbia University, and he says individuals are being victimized for using the Internet, something we all consider personal. You know, it's all happening on this network that we use, using Microsoft and these other tools that we have on our desktop over Facebook and all of these other things that affect us in a much more personal manner. So even though the technology, um, you know, espionage is espionage, I think the technology does give it both a scale and a personalization that espionage didn't have during the Cold War. Another factor that raises the ire of lawmakers and the public, we quickly learn about the spying. Georgia Tech's Peter Swire. When things stay secret for a shorter time, the public blowback gets worse. Wiretaps of uh, Chancellor Merkel is a great example because she was still in office when uh, the world discovered she had been wiretapped. The history of spying is no holds barred except for the worry that you might get caught. And I think we're getting better at attributing these attacks. And I think that the U.S. will move in the direction of revealing who did the attacks and creating diplomatic pressure to stop the ones that are out of bounds. What kind of spying is out of bounds? Not much. But how governments use the information they collect through cyber intrusions is viewed differently from government to government. Nation states with the capability to e-spy on businesses do so, but they differ on how they use the gathered intelligence. 
Take the theft of intellectual property. The U.S. Justice Department last year indicted five officers of the Chinese People's Liberation Army for stealing the intellectual property of American businesses, presumably sharing the IP with Chinese industry. Here's the International Spy Museum's Vincent Hofton. We're still in the business of spying on foreign companies, many of which we justify by saying these foreign companies are not private industries like they would be in the United States. These foreign companies are actually state-run. Like anything in China we spy on is a state-run company. When we, when we spy on Brazilian oil companies, for example, those are state-run oil companies. So it really is an extension of the state. So it's not like we're spying on this version of Google. But even when we do spy on their version of Google, uh, we're not giving it to our version of Google. So one of the real ethical, legal restrictions that we have in the United States is that even if the NSA or whomever is spying on a foreign company, we're not using that to help the competitive advantage of an American company. So the, 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 the law and what James Clapper has sworn again and again and again as the, the director of national intelligence is that if we are spying on a Chinese aerospace company, for example, we're not sending that information to Boeing to make them more competitively, you know, to give them competitive advantage of the Chinese. If we're spying on a Brazilian oil company, we're not giving that to ExxonMobil. We're not providing our private companies with information that we gather and collect from foreign companies. How does the United States use the business intelligence it garners from hacking foreign businesses? Economics is, is a is part of national security, right? So if we're looking at trade negotiations, if we're looking at making our economy stronger as a key component of American national security, then that, those are legitimate foreign intelligence targets. If we're, we're trying to create a trade deal with another country, our negotiators kind of need to know the information behind that trade negotiation. It's not necessarily to benefit an American company, it's to benefit the American economy, which the American economy holistically is a national security concern. So that's why these intelligence agencies, which their whole purpose is to advance and protect American national security, can work within the realm of global economics. As long as we're not handing that off to a private industry in the United States, then we feel as though we're within the realm of not only legal constraints, but also ethical constraints. But are the norms of spying changing because of cyber? With the information of so many people being collected and the type of information being gathered widening, thinking on what would be acceptable electronic spying could, for a better term, evolve. It's likely to be raised in the coming months as the United States and Chinese leaders discuss and try to work out agreements on acceptable behavior in cyberspace. Here's Jason Healy. And we had an understanding that if one side went over the line, then the other side had some things they could do to say, you know, you've got to pull it back. And so it's entirely possible that with China, especially right now, that we might come up and say, you know what, you went too far, um, especially with Anthem. You know, OPM, that was a government target, you know, it pisses us off. But, you know, if you're going after, our, you know, the, the medical records of normal people, that's when it starts to get a little bit too much. Let's come up with an understanding, and if we think it's you, then then we're going to do some things that you don't like in response. And I can see that kind of understanding come about, not because of ethics, but because of the interest of both countries involved. Peter Swire. I think we should have a goal of uh, new norms for what will and won't be done in cyberspace. And it takes a while to create these, and norms are not followed perfectly. But it's in the interest of all the major countries to come to some sense of what's in bounds and what isn't. Regardless of future agreements on the norms of these spying, the United States, or other nations for that matter, should neither wait for nor overly rely on these pacts. 
Changing human behavior is hard, and while our leaders should pursue goals to reach acceptable behavior in cyberspace, the emphasis must be placed on strengthening cyber defense. The responsibility of government is to protect our sensitive information and its citizens. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro.